0: that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that the first resolution that was taken by the shura was that the madrasa would be responsible for all the students needs there was one very great alim by the name of um, I forget his name now so, it'll come. so he said now he was studying in one madrasa and then he went to Dioband to study after. So he said, I came here, I was shocked. And especially in India and Pakistan, they still charge fees in it. No you know, is where the students can afford you to charge fees. Otherwise, the madrasa takes the responsibility for the students. He said, first time in my life, I went to many universities. I studied So he's written a kitab on how he studies in Dioband. He so said, I came to the madrasa, I was shocked. First time in my life I'm seeing that the madrasa has seen to the kitabs what, the Students haven't got kitabs, they give them the kitabs Those who haven't got clothing, they get two or three pairs of clothing There's no boarding fees The food is given free of charge He said, no way in the world you get things like this Any university you go to, you have to pay for it He said, it was like something eye-opening Shocking to me That what a system Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Because the deen of Islam, deen is the most valuable thing And like air is free Nobody charges for, for, for air So deen also supposed to be free, free of charge the kiram Who are giving their time uh, They're not actually charging A salary uh, They're not charging a wage uh, Normally for their time uh, Where they are paid some money But actually they're not charging for that The khidmat of deen That they are doing That is why also It's our Qabil's tariqah and way That now If I have a program of tafsir I'm going to tell everybody Okay you must pay me so much money I charge this amount It's done free of charge uh, The object is to spread the deen Of, of, of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. sallam Tabligh jamaat mashallah Apni jaan apni mal. Your life, your wealth, your spending. Person goes for a Jummah Bayan. Our eldest way was: you give the Juma Bayan. It's for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La minkum jaza'a shukura. We don't want any sugar also. We don't want any payment for it also. We drink it for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was the ikhlas and sincerity of our elders. So the madrasa was run on public funds. So there were some important guidelines, eight guidelines the ulama mentioned for the functioning of Darul Ulum Joband, the constitution. Number one, as far as possible, the members of the madrasa should try to procure, uh, to attain more donations. They themselves should try and contribute and get others to do the same. The well wishes of the madrasa should always keep this point in mind. Try to get more donations for the madrasa. Number two, the well wishes of the madrasa should make an effort to have a continuous food supply for the students. As far as possible, they should also try to increase, increase the student numbers because you want more people to get the, the knowledge of Deen. Number three, rather than being stubborn in one's personal opinion, the trustees of the madrasa should keep in mind the welfare and proper running of the madrasa. They said, May Allah safeguard us. If the trustees ever feel offended on account of others opposing their views, this will weaken the very edifice of this edi- institution. In short, our priority should at all times be the welfare and proper running of the madrasa, during as well as before and after any mashwara. Don't be self opinionated and the participants of a mashwara must feel free to express their opinions And those present should be listening with the right frame of mind That if somebody else's opinion is better than ours, wholeheartedly accept it Even if it goes against our opinion For this reason, in matters which require mashwara, the principal must consult with capable people Whether it is regular members of the board or other learned capable people Who are around or any well-wisher of the madrasa And if for some valid reason the members of the board could not be consulted And other capable people were referred to Then no one should feel offended Why they didn't make mashwara with me? Why wasn't I consulted? If the principal went ahead without consulting anyone Then the members of the board will have a reason to to object So the third point Number four It is extremely necessary that the teachers in the madrasa Should be of the same line of thinking Unlike the present day ulama who think themselves great of themselves And I always running down other people Allah forbids if ever this happens There won't be any goodness left in the madrasa Number 5 As long as there remains No definite fixed incomes For the madrasa The madrasa will by the will of Allah Continue to run On condition that the attention is turned to Allah For assistance In a case where you got a fixed means of income For the whole madrasa example Properties, factory, shopping center Or the promise of a rich man Who is true to his word then I fear, I feel That the fear and hope in Allah Ta'ala Which is the basis of illallah, turning to Allah Ta'ala for assistance Will slip away from our hands The unseen help of Allah Ta'ala will be taken away And they will start fighting Amongst themselves, those in charge of the madrasa So in, in brief With regards to income and building Expenditure, expenditure etc There should always be some sort of disorder Or lack of means The ajib principle this is And this uh, the ulama I've taken out from Surah Kaaf, you know, the Azul Karnain, there was a ship. And the ship was, uh, he broke the ship. He damaged the ship. And uh, there were certain people who wanted to destroy all the good ships. The ship was a bit damaged, so they left it and allowed it to go. And that is why the government's eyes didn't fall on the ship, because it wasn't perfect. So they say as long as There is no perfection Then Allah ta'ala will make it such That the eyes of the people don't fall on that institution But the moment we want like, So much of perfection and all of these things Then the eyes will fall And then there will be harm and destruction Will come to it And also in uh, Surah Kaf They mentioned about those young boys They were young still And they were teams, orphans And the treasure was hidden under the, the wall and the wall is about to fall down, but Hidayatullah Left lifted up the wall. So he said that because the boys were young still, and they weren't able to bear, they wouldn't have been able to take it. But when they grew up, then they will remove the wall themselves and they will take out the treasures. So they see the treasures of Quran and Sunnah, it's, it's hidden at the present moment in the walls of the madrasa. Uh, the ummah at the moment maybe is not ready as yet to accept all the laws of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, but Allah ta'ala will make it such when the ummah is ready, then the wall will fall down and this, all these treasures will come out. So they are being protected at the present moment in the, in the fortresses, in the walls of the madrasa. The sixth point he writes here, I understand the aid of the government and even of the leaders to be extremely harmful. Don't ever take help from the government for, for, for the running of the madrasas because eventually they will have a hand. In the whole Arab world, the, it was the governments who were running the madrasas. And because of that, when the change took place, the government said, we want this rule, we want this, we want this. And no one could say any, anything at all. And because you were getting your money from the government So it became extremely difficult for people now to To oppose the government And then eventually the madrasa went in a completely different line So this is one The, the aid of the government Is very harmful Number 7 As far as possible such people's contributions, Who have no hope or desire Of a name and fame Will be a means of greater barakah and blessings In short the sincerity Of the donors will be a means of more stability For the madrasa and actually in the time, in the beginning portion, Morana Qasim al-Natu used to do, they used to have that every house, they used to send one tin to them. But then when you're making your food, you're, you're making your roti, so a little bit of roti you must put inside the tin and send it back to the madrasa. So in that way, if there was 100 houses, they will get 100 rotis from each house, and that will be the roti for the student. So that's how they managed to give the food for the students in a very simple way. So they were getting their food, a little bit of roti that the poor people are giving, and a lot of times, the poor people, when they give charities, it's much better to accept that because there's more sincerity in that. Once I met an alim of Bangladesh, so he t- explained to me, he said that there was one khalifa of Hazrat ali and this khalifa used to go and work amongst the poor people. So sometimes, for example, they're like collecting money for a madrasa, say they need a million rupees or whatever it is, or oh, well, they say, like, yeah, $100,000 maybe, or $1 million you need to build a madrasa. So he'll go now, in the poor areas, and he will give da'wat and tell the people, We're uh, we opening a madrasah, we opening a masjid, who's prepared to donate? So one person will give one dollar, another person will give two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. After the whole bayan, he'll come with three thousand dollars. you need a million, and you only got three thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. So somebody went and told him that instead of doing this, just go to one to rich people. You, you'll get thirty thousand from him, you'll get hundred thousand from him, you'll get two hundred thousand from him. Instead of breaking your head, such a long bayan and so many, everyone is giving one dollar and two dollars and now you're collecting so much of money and so, diffi- so much of difficulty. Just go to these rich people. So he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look at wealth of people. Allah looks at sincerity and ikhlas. He said if there's one person who gave one dollar had ikhlas and sincerity and Allah accepts it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring the other 999,000, 999 dollars and join them together because that one dollar is accepted. That means the masjid is going to be built now. It was accepted in the court of Allah. Allah will bring the rest of the money. So you see, we actually look for ikhlas and sincerity. And especially in poor people, the amount of sincerity they give generally is much more than people who give up in abundance. It doesn't mean a person must stop, mustn't give in abundance. But it is just that the sincerity of those people. Like one day, when Rahmatullah gave one bayan, and he, the people were collecting whatever. So one person came forward and said, I'm just giving you an example. He gave a $5 and he said, I want $3. Change So now, Imagine you come in front of all the people You say I'm giving you five dollars But I want, I'm only giving two dollars Give me three dollars change So as I said subhanallah Look at this person What ikhlas he got He want to give two dollars We feel embarrassed eh, What people will say Just rather give the full five or We don't give nothing at all But he went forward He gave the five dollars And he said give me Give me change I want three dollars change So mashallah Those people so That sincerity is, is really beloved In the sight of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala So as far as possible Use these people's contributions There's more barakah And blessings in that And the last point he mentioned, the above mentioned points should be implemented completely in the way That it was explained or with mashwara in any other way Otherwise, it will not flourish And even if it does flourish, it will be without any benefit So these amazing eight usuls and principles They had started off So initially started off in one small madrasa, chata masjid There were very few students, they used the madrasa and the surroundings But then the number started increasing And this is the system of haq and the truth it starts off very small and then it starts building up building up and the way of battle and falsehood is it starts off with a big bang You've got money you got properties you got uh, big uh, you know like uh, buildings it starts off in a, in a very huge big bang and I must see very beautifully you must work like a bed, bed bug don't work like a mosquito see those people who work with it like a mosquito they make a lot of noise buzz 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 and then suddenly Someone eats it and the mosquito has come to an end. And the bed bug, he comes quietly. He does his job. He bites the person and he's gone away. By the time the person wakes up the next morning, he sees all the scratches and all the bumbles on his body and all the sores on his body. And, but the bed bug has done his work. So this is the way our elders worked, like bed bugs. I normally joke with the students, you know, Marissa, because we call got a bed bug problem. So I say, you know, we keep on in the company of the bed bugs. So instead of whatever company you stay in, you become like those people So we actually send a bed bug So you also that, Inshallah you You become like a bed bug You work like that So this is the sincerity Which a person would So eventually the, They were staying in the jami masjid Of Dioband And for nine years The madrasa continued here When the rooms came insufficient They needed more rooms But they felt this would be too small So then again Was looking for a nice piece of land To build a Ulum, And then they started uh, They got this um, <coughs> A place. So another, the person who is the first principal of the madrasa, Haji Abid Hussain Sabrul Alam, he felt that we're going to move to another place is a waste of money and resources. Don't move to another. Uh, he wasn't prepared to move. But Maulana Kasim not Rahmanul Rahmatullah had the future of Darul job and in his heart. He felt that if we keep it confined to a jami Masjid, the madrasa can't grow. And they wanted the madrasa to grow in the future. Today the madrasa may look like a small plant, but when it grows up one day into a huge tree with its branches spread fine and wide. Where will there be place for people to sit under each shade? Uh, today, how, if you look at Madarul Umdiyob, and maybe in Dora classes, one and a half thousand, two thousand students, uh, one and one thousand eight hundred students. So he understood at that time. Haji Abidusim Rahmatul Ali was of the opinion that many ulama had been martyred by the British and many madrasas were destroyed. So uh, we don't need to make such a big thing, or whatever that is here. So, anyhow, these people. They had a bit of differences. Eventually, they bought it. Um, Haji Abid Hussein Rahmatullahi wasn't too happy about this. But eventually, Moulin Haqassin Rahmatullahi, he never put, when they bought the land, he didn't put his own name on the document. He put it on Haji Abid Hussein Rahmatullahi's name. And they called the Buzruks and the great Uliya Allah of that time to come and start the foundation of the madrasa. Haji Abid Hussein Rahmatullahi was very upset. He secluded himself in the Chatta Masjid. The person who was most affected was Nathu Rahmatullah and this man. And he's not a famous person also None of us knows him But with what sincerity He must have started the madrasa With Mawlana Qasim Mawlana Qasim is still famous No one knows Haji Abid Hussain Rahmatullahi But all the uh, effects Of Darul Jobant, um, He will get the full reward Of the day So Mawlana Qasim He went out of the gathering He came in the chatta Masjid He begged him Please come and lay down The foundation of Darul Umdiyobant We cannot have the foundation Without you And he saw Mawlana Qasim Crying before him He softened down He went there Actually, in Nabi allows him in a dream. Who and he marked the foundation for Darulum Joban. He told him, Build the Madrasa over here. So the exact place where Nabi told him in a dream, that's exactly where they started and they built the foundation of the madrasa. In Darikh, Darul ulum Joban, there is another version of this incident that Monana the few the second principle of Darul ulum he swanabisal allows him in a dream. Nabi told him the area which you are making for Darul ulum is very small. He then took out his mubarak staff. And he marked the ground saying that you must build a madrasa according to these markings. According to some people, they say that the next morning they actually saw the markings which Nabi in the dream. Up to this day, this particular building is called Nodara, nine doors, which marks the spot. Many ulama, they, or students, they learn in this place. It's the experience of many ulama when you can't understand anything. Uh, you, you can't learn your Quran sabak, you can't understand some ibarat, some text. You must go to this place here and Allah ta'ala opens it up. Uh, to a person. Himself, when he started teaching, he says, I should like to teach in this place here, yeah? because there was a lot of barakat and blessings in this place here. Yeah. So many of the ulama said this here. Yeah. So, anyhow, when they were sitting down with the bricks, who must put the first brick? So, the Ustad of Mawlana Kasin, rahmatullahi was there, uh, he, Ahmad Ali Saharan Puri, rahmatullahi. if you study Bukhari Sharif, he is the person who got the footnotes of Bukhari Sharif. The first person to get Bukhari Sharif printed. In the world. Uh, with his footnotes in the was Morana Ahmad Ali, Saharan Puri Rahmatulale, and Morana Kassin Notwir Rahmatulale wrote also some of a few paras in in Bukharis thirty paras. So a few paras Morana Kassin and Nutur wrote, and the rest was uh Morana Ahmad Ali Saharan Puri Rahmatulale. And this Bukhari Sharif, the first kitab which was actually printed, first time Bukhari Sharif was printed on a scale, and till today is we got his footnotes on in our kitab. So he was the person who put the first brick, and then Haji Abid Hussein Sahar Rahmatulali plays the second brick. And Rashid Ahmed Gangoy no, uh, plays the third brick. The and then other people started doing so. This was in the twelve ninety three after hijri. And there is a well there. This well is very sweet and it's known to be very blessed. It's called the Molseri Molsiri well. Mulana Hasan Gilani said, I have never tasted such sweet. Clear and tasty water in my life. Shah Raffiuddin, Rahmatullahi says, He was the second principal. He had a dream regarding this well. He saw it was filled with milk. And Nabi wa was standing and distributing the milk with a cup. Every person came there with a different utensil. Some had small utensils, some had large utensils. People were filling their utensils and moving on. So Shah Raffiuddin, Rahmatullahi said, Milk refers to knowledge. In, in dreams, when you see milk, it refers to knowledge. And each person will come according to his capability and he will take this knowledge. And he will go and benefit from it, or you will drink it and give it to other people also. Actually, when Manana Qasim Nanotu was seven years old, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw he was standing on the top of Kaaba Sharif. And from his fingers and his feet, all rivers were flowing to all corners of the world. So Manana Qasim Nanotu told his uncle, Manana Abdus Samisaab. So he said, The knowledge of Nabu'at will spread through the four corners of the world through you. One small seven year old child. Who thought that what what knowledge Allah Allah would give him and how he'd spread it throughout the four corners of the world? So, after laying the foundation, the 12th of Zulhijjah 1292, they say, 1876, in January, they had a jalsa for all the ulama who qualified thus far. Murana Ahmad Ali Muhadi Saharan Pudi Rahmatullah he was invited as a guest of honor and he honored the students by tying the turban of excellence, what we call Dastar Bandi. So, anyhow, he had done the day. And just to uh, com- conclude with this year, Munana Yasin, rahmatullahi, a special student of Kasim, rahmatullahi, he told his Sheikh, Hajim Da'adullah who had come to Makkah Mukarrama, that we have started a madrasa now. Please make dua. So Hajim Da'adullah told him in surprise, What? Have you founded the madrasa? For years I had my head in Sajda, in Makkah Mukarrama, crying in the early hours of the morning for a madrasa to be established to protect deen and Islamic knowledge. Sometimes we just think we're doing some work, but we do not know whose du'as, whose duas are behind it. The du'a of Hajim, in front of Kaaba Sharif, for years and years they were making du'a for the protection of deen and Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested it in this madrasa. From Darul Job and then the following year, another madrasa opened up in Saharanpur, then another madrasa in Shahi, Muradabad, and in a short while, people were looking now. In a short while, people started from Afghanistan, from like, in that time, there was no Pakistan, India, but from Pakistan, the top part, which is now Pakistan, they all started sending, there was no madrasas in India. So now they started sending their students, and one by one, the students started coming from all the different parts, and they started coming to Dioband, and all the other madaris around it, and alhamdulillah from there, the knowledge of Deen started spreading. Allah uh, taught them, and the, uh, the, the work of Deen continues. So anyhow, this was a brief history of Dioband, how it started. What Qurbani and what sacrifices the people had given, and some of the usul and principles of Darul Um Dioband. The next chapter is the comprehensive efforts of the ulama of Dioband. What efforts did they make? So there were 10 objectives, which the ulama of the Darul Um was founded on, ten, on the following 10 objectives to spread the school of thought. And to preserve Islam in its pristine pure form. Ten main principles. Number one, to spread the teachings of the Quran and Sunnah, and to bring alive all the branches of Deen through the system of Talim and taallum, teaching and learning. Since every facet of Deen is dependent upon knowledge, because the first command which was given to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi wa was What is the first command given? Yaqara. So they felt that without knowledge, Whatever else you're going to get is bid'at, is innovations, is misguidance. So this is the first and the most important thing. Before anything else, this is the root. It doesn't mean you mustn't get the tree, but you need the root, and you need knowledge. So they gave greater importance to knowledge over all other branches of deen. How what was the method of this? They established darlums and primary makatib or madrasas, and... They tried to encourage this yeah, throughout India as Moranakasim and to many, many places and he started establishing Darul ulum at that time. And then he also wrote letters to people who are far off, encouraging the ulama to establish some Madaris. This was the first thing. The second objective was Isla and Taskiya Nafs, purification of the soul. The method of this was through the medium of the and spiritual training under the ulama of the known as the mashaykh on Anakasin and Rahmatullah himself began a program of spiritual training within the Darul Ulum, and all were encouraged to connect with the Mashaikh of the Sauf. The spiritual rectification and then the chairing of the students were given great attention. As the ulama say, that in the daytime in the classroom they were sitting and they were like Allama Qasdallani and Allama uh, Hafiz ibn Hajar Rahmatullah, such great knowledge Allah had given them. But in the nighttime, they were the Junaid Baghdadi and the Shibli of the time. They will be sitting on the musallas and crying and building up the ta'aluk in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hazrat Muhammad Shafi'i sahab, his father was ma'ulana Yasin sahabu rahmatullahi. Alayhi. He was there from the initial stages of the Uband. He said, I remember the time when every single person in the madrasah, from the Sheikh Ulladi and the principal until the doorkeeper, the person was standing in the, 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 the gate, the guards there. They were all sahibah but they were all Uliya Allah, friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every one of them. So this was the second important thing. The third thing to protect and establish the personal and social interests of the Muslims handling and arbitrating the disputes and problems through Islamic law and guiding them in matters affecting their lives through the Sharia rulings so they had to give a lot of importance to fiqh I will and fiqh and Islamic justice to try to establish Islamic courts etc so that you can make the people that they had a Jameet ulama which was formed and they tried to get some personal Islamic personal law or per private organizations, Darul Iftas, they created, which will promote the importance of fiqh and teach the public the rulings of the Sharia. Munawwara Kasim Nanaatu rahmatullah actually established a court within the Darul Ulum, and the first judge there was Munawwara Muhammad Yakub Nanaatu rahmatullah as a judge. Many problems of the Muslims was resolved according to the Sharia, and people understood that Islamic law is far better. In today's time, also we're living in a non-Muslim country, but if the two sides they agree. We'll go to a a Muslim person, go to an Alim, and we'll try and sort out our matter. Inshallah, many of our uh, things can be sorted out. And unfortunately, if you go to the non-Muslim courts, Allah says in the Quran, whoever doesn't judge according to the decision and the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah gives a severe warning that these people are disbelievers. Because you've got the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on one side, and the other side, for example, Inheritance. A uh, person sees an inheritance I'm not going to get such a big share If I go to the non-Muslim courts I get a bigger share So you leave aside the command of Allah And you go to the courts Non-Muslim courts And you take a big chunk of money You'll get the money But you're losing your iman in the, in, the, uh, in the process So what a bad bargain your person is doing Then the fourth point Was to keep alive the spirit of sacrificing one life, one's life For the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the fifth was to correct the incorrect beliefs of the masses, remove misconceptions conceptions about Islam, which are spread by non Muslims and deviated sects, and to root out art innovations and customs which mostly stems from an un Islamic culture and society. So reform the general condition of the Muslim people and bring them onto an Islamic way of life. This is what uh, the Alice like how we have um, Juma Bayans encourage the people through lectures, sermons and advice. Sometimes people, the funny, funny, new ideas comes out, ideologies come about. Is the ulama will stand up? Sometimes their own iszet and their honor will be taken away, but they don't care in the least. But they will have to explain to the people that this, my brother, this is the correct way of thinking. This is how uh, these people are seeing certain things. So, all added to this, practically, the leaders and responsible people of society should be made to understand their social and cultural problems, along with its harms. After which, they should be given the responsibility. Of seeing to his reformation. Practically, how did Molana do this year? He took journeys to many, many areas and he sent out his students, go to this place, give bayan, explain to the people, go to the people in these different places. And they would go and go to the masses and give them bayans on he supported Islamic uh, issues, answering the objections of the non Muslims against Islam and clarifying doubts created by deviant sex. So there's nothing new. We're getting many deviant sects, people coming with all objections against Islam. They just changed the name, but this, from the beginning of Islam, used you to you get the Mu'tazila. They used their mind and their logic against the commands of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So, in today's time, you get the same group. They have just changed the arguments in a certain way, and they have brought forward a different kind of Islam, a different kind of understanding. But anyhow, it is the duty, of the ulama of Joban to stand up and to answer the objections of these people, for the purpose of reforming the evils, social ills of society. Maulana delivered lectures. Whereby he would explain the harms of the evil customs, which had become part of their culture. Some of the efforts of results of Maulana's efforts were the revival of widows' remarriages, a practice regarded as contemptible in society amongst the Hindus. A woman, if a husband passes away, they used to burn her alive with a husband. He got a name for it also. If I forget the name. anybody knows? Sati, yeah. right? So this is among the Hindu people. So many Muslim people used to feel embarrassed that there were widows. You can't get them married. You can't get married after the husband passes away. You must just stay now. Even after, sometimes you get married after two years, three years, the husband passes away. For the rest of her life, she must stay as a, as a widow. Then other thing, Monana made effort. The women of affluent households begin discarding the dress of the Hindu women, which was customary for women of such households. Environment led it such that the women started wearing the Hindu clothing. Monana used to start speaking and encouraging them that wear the Islamic dressing. Going to hijab, niqab, etc. The practice of ta'ziyat Mourning the death of Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anh, In every masjid On the 10th of Muharram By means of a procession acting out the scene of Karbala was brought to an end In Joban there were many many Shias living at that time So there were many of these customs I don't know in America you get these customs On the 10th of Muharram and So if you don't really see it here yeah. But in India, Pakistan until today Pakistan especially, many of these people have this uh, They call it Matam, matam, they go out in the tent of Muharram and, and they start uh, taking a knife and poking themselves and funny funny things they do and all in the name of Islam and they are crying over the death of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu, we say he passed away as a matter, and he's getting enjoyment and then they make sherbet and they drink the sherbet and they say he's giving, uh, he's getting, otherwise uh, he feels thirsty in the grave, we say he's a matter, how can he feel thirsty in the grave? And by you drinking the sherbet, yeah, Yahis going you know, to get quenched. If at least you go over his cupboard and throw it down there, maybe there will be some benefit. But when people do customs, funny, funny things they do, and funny ideologies they've got. The other thing, Morana spoke about the customs of marriage. Many, many customs of marriage. And unfortunately, in every society, always these customs of marriage are there. Uh, I don't know here in America, but in South Africa, you get people following the Hindu customs, Mendi parties, and all funny, funny things. Then you get a Christian customs. Then you get the Western customs. Uh, there's a uh, white white gown. is a Christian custom. The ring. You must wear a ring when you get married. So they actually they put it on the it's, the it's the father, the son, the Holy Ghost, and then they put the ring on the fourth finger. They is the, that's why they put the ring on there. It's called a ring finger. And then they've got these uh, bridesmaids, and they they walk behind, and they have this mistletoe because there's some jinnat or something, some monsters or spooks, or whatever, devils, or whatever. So to save you from that day, and people kiss under the mistletoe or something. So all of these are funny, funny customs. Valentine's, Valentine's Day is also, it has got to do with Greek methodology, uh, Greek myth. Then you get uh, Halloween. I think Halloween is quite common in America also. And unfortunately, recently in Saudi Arabia also, it was a very big thing, this Halloween. So all of these funny customs, our ulama spoke completely against it, and they tried to discourage the people from it. One example, Christmas, Easter, all of these have got... Very evil connotations. They're not only a Christian thing. They were actually got to do with the Greek gods and goddesses. And unfortunately, the Christians took it as part of their religion, and they started um, actually from the 25th of December until the 1st of January. This, amongst the Greek people and the people of the past, it was a whole week of celebration. And most likely, it was the birth of Satan, Shaitan. If I, according to my understanding, Shaitan must have been born in that time. So that whole week they have celebrations. And uh, because there was a god, the god Zeus. So, according to their belief, 25th of December he was born. So, that whole week is regarded as a time of celebration. In the whole world, unfortunately, people celebrate. So, all of my have mentioned that many times we don't realize we tell a person, Happy Christmas, uh, Happy New Year's, Happy Easter, Happy Diwali. Whereas these are actions of, of, of kufr and disbelief and shirk. So they say that if you congratulate somebody on zina, they say, hey, mashallah, so good you made zina, or so good you were drinking wine. Nobody will ever do such a thing like that. But they say the sin of congratulating somebody on, on a sin is less than congratulating somebody on kufr and shirk. Because one is a sin and one is kufr and shirk. And you don't, never get a person congratulating somebody on sin. But on kufr and shirk, especially for people living in kufr countries, countries where the kufar disbelievers are in the majority, many of us don't even know so. And we make this big mistake, it's a, it's a major error. Sometimes in the newspapers, and in South Africa there's a big problem, many of the newspapers, you will have the Muslim people sending messages, happy Diwali, to, to, the non, to all our non-Muslim customers. We can't say happy. We are actually showing happiness on their beliefs, on their customs of disbelief in kufar. So it really it's a, it's a very severe, and the ulama have mentioned this year that this uh, congratulating somebody on the non-Islamic customs is worse than sin. than congratulating them on, on actions of sin. So Allah ta'ala protect and save us. So the ulama of Job and this is one effort they made that to remove all of these customs. Then number six, to establish and promote all on the part of the Ahlu Sunnah Wal Jamaat, ensuring the people do not fall into misguidance and deviation, and those who have gone astray. To take them out from the incorrect beliefs what was the method of acquiring this year endearing oneself to the people showing them one's love and willingness to sacrifice for them when they realize that you are their well-wisher they will begin to respect you and will be willing to obey and follow your creed even if some members wish to oppose you the rest of the people will make sure they are unsuccessful because the people can see I'm getting dean from these people now there will be a minority trying to oppose a person uh, so Dioban was a place which was very sympathetic towards the Shias ideology, even though the people were not Shias actually, but many people were influenced by it. So Mulana Kasi Nanotbir Rahmatullah made great efforts to remove these evil effects from the people. Mulana said regarding his effort in this direction, First I became part of the people of Dioband, then I made them part of me. Uh, Mulana Zulfikar Ali once commented, We could not oppose Mulana in the least, but as our children already came into his grasp and influence. He had won our children over. So we couldn't oppose him now. Normally, if the children they all accept what the ulama say, then the parents also they feel hard to now oppose their own children also. The seventh thing was to spread Islam and its beautiful teachings to all the countries of the world, to non Muslims as well as Muslims, regardless of their nationality or language. The method of doing so was tablick in the local in the, in the people's local language, explaining to them the true wisdom and success lies in the way of the Ambi Ali Muslim and not in so called progress. And we should learn other languages for this purpose of giving Dawat. At the end of his life, he said, If only I knew English, I would have traveled to Europe to prove to the claimants of wisdom and philosophy. They claim they got wisdom and philosophy. That true wisdom and philosophy is not what they understood to be. But it's that knowledge which has come out from the house of the Anbiya. And which had went into the house of the followers. I would have proven to them that success and progress in this world in this world also is hidden in that wisdom and philosophy of the anbiya Ali muslim and not in other philosophies Allah made it such that his desire was fulfilled in the form of foreign students who studied at darul ulum And translated and conveyed the message of deen to all the parts of the world the intention in bin Wa according to the intention a person has got Allah will fulfill it Number eight to fulfill the vacuum of writing and authoring by presenting Islam according to the necessity of times so Monana Qasim himself he wrote many many kitabs and he encouraged other people also To counter all the modern and deviated ideologies And he encouraged his students also to write kitabs and many of them continued in this way Number nine to keep international Islamic brotherhood alive And work towards maintaining an Islamic Khilafah At that time Turkey was still an Islamic Khilafah And Hazrat Mourana Qasim made a lot of effort to try to keep alive the Islamic Khilafah which unfortunately it fell there uh, after about maybe 20, 30 years, the Khilafat in 1923. World War One one of the objects of World War One was to destroy the Islamic Khilafat. And unfortunately, this happened. And now it's already maybe 100 years when there's no actually Islamic uh, Khilafat in the world. And we can see the harms of this year. He collected thousands of rupees. He went around collecting for this year to keep alive the Islamic Khilafat. He himself donated all of his money, all of his wife's jewelry, for this cause. Whatever money she had everything he took it and he spent in the part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So this was the ninth thing and the last thing to maintain freedom and independence in the expression of knowledge So that their teachings remain free from the influence of other groups and governments And the method of doing so was That avoiding any assistance from the state and sufficing upon the sincere Even though it's limited assistance of the Muslim public Remember we did the, the usuls and the principles of Jioband, And one of them which we had mentioned there was That a person must not uh, Take out Utilize the, the wealth of the governments etc So anyhow Mourana Kasim Mentioned these Inshallah, we'll con- conclude the session With Mufti Muhammad Shafisa mentions five specialities Of the ulama of the urban, or Joband, Which very few Learning centers have got Number one Darul Ulum does not refer to merely a classroom But refers to a special ideology and a special mode of practice The center of learning was erected So that Islam and Islamic knowledge could be preserved in its pristine form The understanding has always been that deen doesn't refer to words which are found in the books And you cannot understand deen by studying books alone Allah did not send the the Quran itself No kitab came down itself But they always came with the the men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are examples of where Anbiya alayhi wa came with no kitab. But you will never get a kitab coming without the Nabiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are two things. One is Kitabullah and one is Rijalullah. The men of Allah and the book of Allah. Both are necessary. You can't separate one from the other one. Therefore the Kalam can only be understood in the light of the explanation given by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa can only be understood in the light of the practice of the Sahaba, Tabi'in and the pious elders of Deen. So if today somebody comes in from the Qur'an He'll take out one ayat Or he'll show one hadith And he'll try to prove Some modern ideology So we can't just take out one ayat of the Quran, Qur'an And one hadith We say okay what did the elders How did they practice upon it What did they understand Did, did they have of it It's not just now Somebody just pulls out Others from the Qur'an What and what funny things a person can pull out uh, the, the people of Ashab al The dog was sitting in front so Some people have taken out That you can have dogs in your house No problem at all but we got the hadith of Rasulullah where he wasallam from the day. We've got the, the actions of the Sahaba, tabi'in, Tabi tabi'in. So the, all of these things, it's a whole link and chain, right? To Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. our deen It's not from our our own ideologies, our own thinkings, it's the command of Allah. Even it's not what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa we follow him because it is the command of Allah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa at times also was rep, uh, commanded by Allah. No, what you said was Incorrect, it was the HD of Nabi sallallahu in certain times, and he was he's corrected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is the more correct thing. So, whatever Nabi sallallahu wa also got, he doesn't speak from his own desires, it was wahi and revelation which had come to him. The ulama also, when they are speaking, they're not speaking from their own desires, but they are speaking what we have learned from our asatida who learned from their ustad, who went from the sahaba, tabi, 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 it's a whole chain, and this is one speciality also that we've got a chain of narrators from ourselves. To our Ustad, to his Ustad, to his Ustad And this is called Sanad And this goes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, In hadith also, in tafsir also In qirat also, in tasawuf also in, in fiqh also We've got a whole chain of narrators Which goes, which goes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So a person doesn't just his, his knowledge is very solid Because he's learned From somebody, if somebody tells you i got no father See you got no father, and you say something wrong with this person. You got no father. So, similarly, if a person comes to you and you ask him, Where did you get your knowledge from? The first question you ask him, Where did you get your knowledge? Who's your ustad? He said, No, I learned from a book. You will not accept that person's his knowledge because you cannot get knowledge from a book. Knowledge comes from heart to heart, from ustad to student, from Rasulullah. It has passed on generation to generation. So, he sees that if you don't use the, the Nabi's explanation and Sahaba, Tabin, and our pious elders, Every effort of, to explain and understand Deen will lead to misguidance. But we understand there is a difference between the ranks of these personalities. The rank of Allah is the highest. Then is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sahaba cannot reach that rank. Sahabi, the rank he has got, the greatest he cannot reach that rank. So they are all different levels, and everyone has got different rules regarding them. Keeping all of this in mind, Darul Ulum Dioban is given honor and the rights. It fulfills the rights of every group and category of these people. So this is. The one special speciality of Darul Ulum Jiyoband, it advocates a moderate path, safe from extremism and compromise. And we follow Kitabullah and Rijalullah. This is the second, second speciality. Don't only obtain, you go to many institutes in the world to today's time. Big, big Kitabs. I remember once I went to, to Azhar. After I qualified, I went to, we, went to, we went to Pakistan, so uh, we stopped in, uh, the plane stopped in, in Egypt. So we just went to Azhar University. And we see one person, I, I go, I see him. He's sitting, wearing jeans, top, sitting on the floor, lying on the back, got a kitab in his hand. I said, what kitab are you studying? Usul al-Bazdawi. That time I never knew there was a kitab like that, by that name. Big, big kitabs. And then you get men and women sitting together, uh, having discussions. Uh, they say now recently, somebody went for one convention to Makkah Mukarrama, and they saw one lady. One lady was sitting there, open hair, arms, no trousers. So they, they, some of the ulama were very upset. They said, Who, who's this lady? How could you have called her for this conference? So they said, no, she's the Sheikh Al-Hadith of Azhar. So when I imagine she's a Sheikh Al-Hadith of, of Azhar and she's teaching hadith, I don't think any of the students are paying attention to the kitab. They might be sitting and looking at her all the time. So uh, how can deen be spread in such ways? Uh, people are sitting and smoking cigars and they're discussing Messiah of Deen, you've got men and women next to one another. So, this uh, Deen cannot spread in this way. Yeah. So, it's Kitabullah, you've got the Book of Allah, and Rijalullah, not only the outward form of knowledge, but how can the knowledge come into a person's heart? How can akhla come, character come into a person? So, not only outward knowledge you must have, but practically a person must be a true believer. Every action and movement of his must be a representation of Islam. So, the men who Darul Um Diyoban presented to the world were men who were experts. In ibadat, mu'amalat, the monetary dealings, akhlaq, mu'asharat, politics. We find it difficult to find examples today. Every person was an embodiment of Islam. Wherever he went, he produced a group of true Muslims. The fourth, third thing was that the environment of the madrasa, because they say the knowledge wasn't dry knowledge, it included what it akhlaq, amal, and the flame of divine love. The third speciality was its environment was one of humility, simplicity and informality Despite each person being a son of knowledge and practice They were embodiments of servitude and humility On the other hand, the people of this group were bearers of ilmi honor Independence and self-respect They wouldn't sell themselves, they had the self-respect But on the other hand, they had sacrifice within them, they had humbleness within themselves Many places you go, you have to meet a person, you need an appointment A few weeks before, you may have to pay that person also in our Kabir, our elders we met them humble. It was so easy to meet them, to speak to them, to to get and they were how they would sacrifice their lives for the people. So this was another quality found amongst them. The fourth speciality of this educational institute was that it adopted the method of the Ambiyya Ali Musalam in calling towards its moderate path and even criticizing others. Instead of trying to run down adversaries, it gave greater importance to well wishing for them. The scholars of Dar al Ulum, Dioban would never tolerate concealing the truth. Whatever they regarded to be true, they would openly declare it. But they always kept before themselves the angle of wisdom and softness in proclaiming it. They would understand, They would call the people towards the deen of Allah. This was the general practice of the Ulama of Dioban. The they would not shy away from the truth, but there was a way of one is to, to speak the truth. We should speak the truth, but how should we speak the truth? In the right way. Do the right thing in the In the right way There was one person once I might have mentioned this yesterday There was one person His horse was stolen So he went and he Jumped over the wall And he stole his horse He took his horse back He was locked up for trespassing Because he did the right thing But he did it in the wrong way So we have to do the right thing also But it must be done in in the correct way And the last point mentioned here is Since the actual aim of Darul Ulum Dioban was a protection of Deen And this could not be achieved Unless there was a group of people fully devoted to this work Leaving aside all other work They divorced themselves from all worldly positions and ranks And fulfilled the service by tying stones to their stomachs They always had the concern of the material progress of the general Muslims But they themselves, they went through Allah Allah gives barakat and blessings uh, To those people who are sacrificing themselves for deen and mashallah Allah puts it in the hearts of people they help and assist those, such people but till today even in any madrasa normally The Ustaz don't earn like so much like how much maybe a person of, of dunya is earning And maybe sometimes a person comes from a very wealthy background also, But he, he goes into a madrasa environment he's teaching and the salaries are not the, the highest But Allah has kept ajib barakat and blessings in the wealth of the ulama uh, Like I was telling somebody in our madrasa uh, The Ustaz don't earn like a big amount a big salary But every single Usal has gone for Hajj And we get people who earn three times and five times the amount what they're earning But still they haven't been able to go for Hajj So Allah puts a lot of Barakat and blessings in in their wealth So they themselves were prepared to sacrifice Tying stones to their own stomachs But they always had concern for the material progress of the general Muslims They gave full support to all sincere movements Which were adhering to the laws of deen aimed to advance the material and social progress of the Muslims However, whenever they felt the deen was being compromised and harmed because of desire for worldly progress or monetary progress Then the ulama of Joban will become a firm barrier for the protection of deen The result of this was that for 200 years by the grace of Allah Ta'ala Deen is protected in its correct form Despite being ruled by the oppressive regimes of the British and the Hindus Till today in the subcontinent and throughout the world There are those present who can explain the correct deen to others invite others to this deen and I prepared to sacrifice all for the preservation of this deen Despite the flood of Western views The general Muslim is still a Muslim with regards to his beliefs and he looks at Islam with pride So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh, True love for these ulama these elders the sacrifices they had made and this was we mentioned the What was the very? Comprehensive spreading the deen of, of Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the whole of deen Uthuluf is silmi enter into Islam, completely, not just one aspect. Today, in the whole world, uh, as our Sheikh Abdul Hamid Abd al Barakatu mentions, he said that Islam is, is is like one portion of our life. Like, so I'm a, I'm a Muslim, but only in the masjid I'm a Muslim. And uh, this person is a Christian, but only in the church is a Christian. Outside, we're all living together. So I live like him, I eat like him, I do everything like him. But when it's namaz time, then I come to the masjid. I'm a Muslim now. But as we are taught that Islam is a, is a whole way of life Every aspect of our life Islam has to come into it May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant myself and all of us tofik. We become the true torchbearers of Islam and Darulam Dioban is not the name of an institute It's a one madrasa. It's a it's an ideology That part upon which I am and which my sahaba radiya anhum upon the best said the time will come that the ummah will be divided into many many groups uh, Like how the, the Jews and the Christians 72 groups They were divided into My group My ummah will be divided Into 73 groups And all of them They made themselves Binding the fire of Jahannam One group will be saved So sahaba Radhiya Allahumma Who are that group? He said Ma'ana alayhi wa ashabi That group upon which I am And which my sahaba Radhiya Allahumma They call us the Ahlus sunnah wal jamaat Ahlu sunnah wal jamaat Sunnah means the books The, the Quran and the sunnah the Kitabullah and while well, Jamaat is the men of Allah, Rija'lullah. So these are the two groups. In the Quran we didn't Surat al-Mustaqim, Allah guide us on the straight path. Surat al-ladina Anamta am The path of those people who you are favoured we shall call Rijalullah. And on the next page Allah says, Zaalik al Kitabu, La rayba fihudal muttakin. It's kitabullah and yes, Rijjalullah. Allah save us from Mahdubia, the Jews. The Jews only held firm unto the book of Allah and they rejected the men of Allah. That eventually they killed the man of Allah, the Anbiya <laughs> And the Christians, Walad Dhalin, they were the people who, they held so much of love for the Rijalullah, the man of Allah, but they left aside the book of Allah. So whatever was written in the book, they didn't care about it. They said the man of Allah, the main thing. The Pope, what he says, we'll have to accept. If he changes, the, the Bible says it's, uh, this is incorrect, we don't worry what he says. But the Pope is the final decision, he must make the decisions, he can change whatever is in the Bible. So they were Walad Dhalin. So they were on one extreme and the Jews on one extreme. But our the, our path is a person who holds on Kitabullah, the book of Allah, and understanding it by means of Rijalullah, the men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us truth, ofiquing and understanding inshallah. We'll continue after the Maghrib Salah inshallah. Subhanallah, yabihamdi, subhanallah. Just ask me some heavy questions. ask me some heavy questions. Inshallah, and uh, we did give out these cards before. Inshallah, anybody wants inshallah. This is uh, uh, Durud Sharif on Nabi Sallallahu I wish to be with my Nabi in Jannah. Five forms of salawat in Durud upon Nabi Sallallahu Wasallam, which Nabi Sallallahu himself mentioned that this is the Durud and this is the great virtue for this Durud. And this one is the virtues of Bismillah. It's Bismillah when we're eating, when we enter our house, when we leave our house because we're very negligent in reading Bismillah. Huh? But the person doesn't take the name of Allah Ta'ala so we should read Bismillah learn all the duas. Inshallah we can take this. And then this is seven valuable prescriptions, morning and evening duas. Asha'Allah, I see after Fajr salah, they are reading the duas. So these are cards we can keep in our pocket. Seven simple duas, which have got great, great benefits. So, insha'Allah, the brothers are welcome to take these cards. If you want to take extra for some family members or whatever, no problem, insha'Allah. And if you're going to make amal on it, insha'Allah, don't mistake it to put it in our, uh, in our, on our cupboards. our we're going to try to make amal on these things, Like insha'Allah. I'm frightened. You guys asked me some heavy questions just now. (laughs) Okay, what question do you have? As far as I know, they tried very hard, but now obviously they cannot cover the whole of India. And actually, if you go to Dioband and you go to Turkey, you'll be surprised to see that the Madrasa was founded on a similar architecture of the Madaris in Turkey. Uh, How the the Islamic Khilafat was. They tried very hard to preserve their Islamic identity in that way. The the ulama of Dioband tried very hard. Mashallah, through Tabligh Jamaat especially, we see that the efforts tried in many, many places to preserve islamic identity unfortunately in many places the muslim people themselves left uh, the deen of allah subhanahu wa taala like many masajid in india many of them were left completely uh, also we have to understand when uh, in 1948 when the uh, when the muslims were taken out from uh, in india and pakistan was separated many many muslims migrated so many masjids in india they became stables or they became Completely, Nobody was, uh, was utilizing them There was no Muslims left in those areas Slowly, slowly Muslims started coming back to those areas But many of those areas, still now People are very far, unfortunately, from deen Their efforts are being made all the time To create that fervor in the people But unfortunately, that's why many times People complain that uh, the masjids Are taken over by the Hindus But actually it's not taken over by the Hindus, it's our own weaknesses When we will leave the masjids, the house of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what will happen Allah will send people to control our masjids I'll give you one example of this. 1948 or so, was <laughs> it somewhere at that time or after that, he went to Palestine in Jamaat. Jamaat went for 40 days or some time they spent in Palestine. And they came to masjid al aqsa And in masjid al aqsa they were late at night, they came, so Fajr time, they had azan going. After azan, they're waiting now for the imam to come. No imam coming, no muazzin coming. So anyhow, they performed their own salat. And so hard time the Muazin came and he gave adhan, so they called him, they said, we're waiting for you, fajr time, what happened to you? Nobody was in the masjid to perform salat. So he said, no, I'm only paid to give the adhan, I'm not paid to perform salat. So I come every day, I just give adhan, and I don't perform salat. So when Umar Saha Puni Rahmatullah heard this, he said that this masjid cannot remain any longer in the hands of the Muslims. Because we have left and abandoned this Masjid Masjid Aqsa the third holiest Masjid of the Muslims and a few months or a few years later it was completely taken over by the Jewish people uh, until today unfortunately how much of oppression we see but this actually was because of our own sense so even in India unfortunately many many massage in many areas uh, like what is that famous Masjid Babri Masjid where there were so much of problems But actually, Babari Masjid wasn't being used by the Muslims. It was completely empty. No one was performing Salat there. And as a punishment, Allah made it such that Hindus came and took over that Masjid. And then the Muslims made a big noise. But actually, it was our own weaknesses. So, mashallah, through the efforts of the ulama, they tried many hard, very hard. Many, many places Masjid became open. But unfortunately, still too. There's still so much work to be done to bring alive uh, the fervor in the people to look after the Masjid. And to start making the Masjid Abad and populating the Masjid. I think that the best is to teach the people the true deen you carry on teaching people the automatically the objections will go will get less and less people will to see that the true deen is being propagated it's Quran and Sunnah and nothing else uh, objections you will always get objections in life if the Anbiya alayhi wasalam will not spirit objections we definitely we're going to expect objections but as you continue spreading and teaching the the teachings of, of, of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, people see and, and, and Allah ta'ala makes it the hearts of the people are open MashaAllah they see that this is the truth and This is Quran, this is Sunnah but Inshallah, slowly, slowly the objections will be removed uh, To answer every single person's objections Is, uh, is not going to really help But I think more is a practical thing The more a person practically does it And he encourages and he teaches Teach the people deen They will see themselves This is definitely the Sunnah of Nabi so, I mean, Everything of ours is backed If a person comes individually, you can show him that These are our proofs And Alhamdulillah, we've got nothing to, to hide All of our whatever our actions are our Kabir and our elders have mentioned it. They've written kitabs, volumes, explaining our, uh, our actions. our sunnah, sunnah, how many? 22 volumes. The whole Hanafi mazab, but all the proofs exactly of every action of ours, how why we do it, according to the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the things of Sahaba, tabi, 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 So all of these things are preserved, and we've got a beautiful legacy which goes right to the Salaf Sawalin and the pious predecessors. So there's nothing for us to, to hide, and we can show the people, this, inshallah جزاك الله Subhanallah سبحان الله